Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. From the corner, Barry. Rick Barry has not missed a free throw against Washington. Now it is Barry. Back to Clifford Ray. Goes to Rick Barry. Golden State getting that ball moving. Intended for Barry. Barry, look at that pass. Rick Barry, look at that shot, would you? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Barry wants to make a move. There's a Barry. He's got his shot. Okay, that's right. It's Rick Barry here for the Rick Barry Show with Cyrus X, my partner in crime, the surf man himself. We've had a lot of fun doing this uh, for quite a few years. Just nothing super serious. Uh, we just kind of do it at our whim. Uh, but it's kind of fun to follow my old team, the Warriors, and to talk about other things that are going on in the world of sports and in the NBA. And, uh, of course, the big talk right now is LeBron going to pass Kareem and everybody, you know, illustrious career. Hey, if you could play 20 years... And you could take enough shots, you could score points, I can tell you that. But he's a hell of a player, there's no question about it. And I love the fact that he's also a great assist guy as well, and unselfish. Mm-hmm. In fact, I just saw something about getting into a thing with the Mad Dog one time years ago, that he's on TV, about saying that, and there was another guy too, there was one other guy that did it, this wasn't the Mad Dog that I got into, but LeBron making the pass out to Kyle Korver one time, and everybody was making a big deal. He should have shot the ball. That was the stupid. He did exactly what he did. So we had a lot of discussions about crazy stuff like that. Uh, LeBron, that'll probably happen more than likely uh, when they play the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know. He could still obviously get 36 in this next game. But I think it would be kind of cool to have him get it against Milwaukee, the team that Kareem Abdul-Dabar came from, obviously. He played with the yeah. Milwaukee Bucks. So that would be kind of fun to do that. So we'll see. And then... The one that's so depressing to me, watching Steph get hurt. Oh. Um, I mean, and now he's going to be out. The only good thing about the All-Star break coming up, it's that much more time for him to have a chance to go and rehab and get better. Won't hurt them as much. Um, but man, oh man. Um, yeah. The Warriors without Steph Curry are not the same Warriors basketball team. I think even though the 11 games he was out, they did go 6-5. and five. Yeah, exactly. Good okay, Which is pretty impressive. Um, and again, guys have got to start stepping up. I mean, I think the, I guess I'll just use this one. I can't resist it. The grass has gotten a little greener for the Golden State Warriors. Why do you say that? Why do I say that? Yeah. Okay. We have Draymond Green. Oh, Jermichael. And and Jermichael Green. And the second Green had a hell of a game, a fourth quarter. Yes, he did. And, you know, he got a chance to play. If you read, I read about what he had to say. Uh, interviewed before this game, and he took it upon himself. And this is, I really respect and admire this. It's up to me to get out there and take this as a challenge and work. And he did that, and he put it together, and he had a chance to go out and he performed and he did well, which no question is going to earn him more time on the court. And if he can continue to produce at a high level, he's going to get even more playing time. And that's what we need. We need guys like him stepping up, putting forth the effort, working hard at it to get to the point where they can help this team win basketball games. So God bless him for that. And I was happy for him. <clears throat> How happy were you that that calf injury was, didn't keep Draymond out. I was freaking out. That could have been it. Yeah, uh, for sure. I just, I just wish, cause I gave the staff a bunch of these really great sleeves, go sleeves that I promote all the time. Yeah. And I don't think they've ever given it to him. Cause when I saw him and talked to him at all-star, he didn't know anything about it. Oh. And, I left a whole bunch with the trainer there. He needs to put that on and try it because it can't 
it can't hurt them and it could help them a lot because it's got kinesio tape built into it it's a terrific product and i hope that somebody's listening you know warriors guys you got some stuff there let draymond try these things yeah you know be preventative you know don't wait till somebody gets hurt to do something which could help them get better quicker but head on beforehand to hopefully not get an injury that would be the best so anyway but steph is you know obviously going to be out for a while how long who knows? And then we're back to the same old thing. I feel like Groundhog Day again. <laughs> Here we are. The Warriors are there fighting to get around the 500, holding their head up, doing a good job with Steph's out, talking about worried about that. Now we have to do it all again. Okay? And it's the same story, right? We need to get the bench guys to step up and play. Fortunately, we had Jermichael do that in this last game. But we have other guys that have got to do it. They all have to maintain a high level of performance mm-hmm. in order for them to play. And I, I can tell you right now, just probably one of the most unsung heroes. And he's, he's gotten some of his just due, I think. Tavon Looney is such a good, smart player that works his tail off, knows his role. And just, I mean, he you got offensive rebound he got. was a huge rebound for them the other night. Uh, but I just love the way he works at it and does what he needs to do. And he's the perfect uh, Dirty Harry, right? The line. A man has to know his limitations. <laughs> right? And Kayvon Looney knows his limitations. Yeah. So I love that about him. <clears throat> Absolutely, sir. Um, so, and, and just to, just to add on to the Steph Curry thing, I, I'm going to tell people who are watching this, uh, don't panic. I, you know, like I, when I was watching the play live, I don't know if you're watching the game. It was, it was a nationally televised Saturday night marquee. I love that ABC started doing that a couple of years ago, the Saturday night games. Um, Cause usually we're accustomed to the Sunday afternoon games, but, but now they're adding Saturday night. But if you watch the replay, like it just, look, Rick, look, you, you, you play a lot more than me, obviously, but I played a long time and bumping knees is one of those things. Like one time I bumped knees and it hurt so bad. It was a good two, three weeks where it was stiff. It was, it was, it, it was sore, um, and that's what happened, you know? And, and the, for some reason, the Warriors added some weird description to the, to the injury. Oh, no, 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 no. They said he has partial tears of his ligament. That's severe. Well, but to be clear, but have you ever heard in your life of – sorry, I'm moving the phone just so I can see my screen. Have you ever heard of the tibiofibular ligament? The, uh, no, no, no. My, my wife would probably know exactly what that is because she was into that kind of stuff. No, but the bottom line of it is, is that he suffered some injury, nothing of a major thing that requires any surgery, but it's going to take time. Time, it takes time for this kind of stuff to heal. And it's not like it was a bruise that he hit knees and did stuff and they got, he got a bone bruise. He has some torn ligaments. That's the part that I wasn't so thrilled about, but hopefully they will recover quick enough to get him back and the team will maintain a level of performance to keep him there in the playoff hunt. Because if they can do that, and get things back in order again, and still the same stuff. I just feel like I'm a broken record here. If the other guys will just start to step up and play and play the things they're supposed to do. Kaminga showed some signs of it the other game with the you know, four three-pointers. Hey, if he can get himself just to be a 33%. That's where he's at right now. Yeah, as I'm saying, that's when you yeah. get to 33%, and this is what he's done with the big game he had there. That makes him valuable. But my God, the athleticism that he has and the way he can finish going to the basket – so he's showing some signs, but again, the consistency of it is what you need to have from these guys. And 
you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Moody. I really thought that Moody was going to step up and have a really nice uh, season, but he hasn't really done anything. Well, Rick, Rick, if he plays, m- maybe he would. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, how well can- you know, I, I agree with you. It You can only learn so much by sitting and watching. Yeah. You know, you got to be on the court. You got to get the play, even to the point of, I mean, you know, let him go down to the G League team. You know, go let, let him go play down there and and see what he can do in Santa Cruz and give him some minutes on the court. I mean, that was yeah. one of the best things that happened that they did. You know, with Pool. I mean, you know, we talked about Pool two years ago. I said, what the heck? I mean, yeah. he's taking the worst shots. I mean, what is he doing? I mean, well, and he and he went down there. That was a wake up <clears> call for him. And, he made the most of it, and that's the opportunity. That That's why you have the G League teams for situations like this. Give the guy the chance to play, get some confidence, and boom, boom, boom. Then you can bring him back up. Somebody gets hurt, you got a guy coming in who's in great shape, ready to step out there and maybe take advantage of the opportunity that's presented to him. Hopefully it's not because of injury, but maybe somebody's not playing well, somebody's you know sick for a day, somebody's gets foul trouble. That's the whole thing. You always, as a player, have to be ready. I mean, I know it's easy if they say, oh, that's easy for you to say because you played all the time. Hey, I was ready. I went to the All-Star game when I played against the Soviet Union team in Indianapolis, Indiana, my senior year. And they'd come over and they asked me to come and play because it was that other stuff. I was there on the bench. They started these other guys to play and do it. So I need. I had to watch the game. I'm not going to just be there pouting while I should be starting. I'm better than these guys. Hey, no, let's play. Let's see what's happening. I know I'm going to get in the game. I hope that they and these can't know if they're going to get in the game. But I knew I was going to get in the game, but I had to be ready. And so I watched. I saw what was happening so that when I went in the game, I could take advantage of things I may have seen and make sure I don't do some of the things that I saw that weren't working so well. Right. And I just I want to really quickly read verbatim the, the injury update. It, it's, it's So here I'm reading a quote from the Warriors themselves. An MRI last night confirmed that Curry suffered partial tears to his superior tibiofibular ligaments and enterosiosis membrane, (laughs) whatever the hell that is, as well as a contusion to his lower leg. This is what, Rick, if if this had happened during your playing days, I don't think those, I'm sure those medical terms existed, but I guarantee no trainer would tell you, yeah, you suffered a superior tibiofibular ligament Partial tear, partial, not full, and whatever the hell the enterosiosis or enterosios membrane is. It, it, I, my point is, I'm not stressing. He's going to be back. They, they, and literally, C.J. Holmes, a uh, beat reporter uh, for the San Francisco Chronicle covering the Warriors, said uh, in a separate report, he'll be back two to three weeks, likely going to miss five to six games. I'm just trying to say, like, I'm not panicking about this. This is Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is that it's happening at a fortuitous time, mainly because you have the all-star break coming up and Steph will not have to participate and do that. So yes. he gets all that extra time without missing games that are going to be have being played. So he's not going to miss as many games as if it happened just the regular season without Correct. the all-star break coming up. So I'm the eternal optimist. I always Damn. look at the positive side of things. I'm not looking at the guys being freaking, you know, half empty. I'm talking about that sucker's half full. I mean, <laughs> so you got to look at things positively. And so I think this is a positive thing now. It still comes back to what we just talked about. It all comes down to these other players. Are they going to elevate their game and play at a level that enables them to win games when Steph is out? What they got to get out of, and they're even doing it with Steph, these freaking fourth quarter or second half collapses when you've got double-digit leads and you wind up giving the leads away and losing, almost losing another one. I mean, when you get people down, this is the part that players have to understand. This is why I kept telling you the hardest thing for a player to learn how to do 
in any sport is to stay focused all the time. Right. The only reason that happens when they lose leads and things happen is guys have lost their focus. They stop doing what they did to get the lead. And what I try to tell players when I was coaching is that whatever you did to that point, you have to focus even more because the other team's coming at you with everything they have to get back in that damn game. And if you don't increase your level of performance, they're going to chip away at that lead. Right. And so that's why you have to go out and play as hard or harder and more focused. Not the hardness isn't it. It's the focus part. Because if you're not focused, you're half a step late. Boom. There you go. Then you make some turnovers. And they take advantage. They get a guy who gets hot. All of a sudden, he's knocking in threes. Next thing you know, your 15-point lead is two. We see it happen all the time. Happen to the all Warriors the again. How do you – so, so Rick, you, you, you think the lack of focus – Late in games, is that a coaching thing? Is that, is that is, do you think the coach? No, a coach focused? can't tell a player how to stay focused. I mean, he can so just think that if he's not focused, to you know, get in his head, have a signal, you know, come on. I like I used to like here, tap my head. I point the guy out. I say, Cyrus, Cyrus, think, think, think. Get your head in the game. You know, you that's have- the sign. That's the sign that I used to use to my players to do it because. Hey, if I if I had something that I could do and I had a coaching technique or something or a miracle elixir that I could sell to keep people focused, I'd be a trillionaire. <laughs> yes, you would, sir. I could use some of those trillions right now. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, the Jordan Poole thing is, is weird because what I keep trying to tell people, let me know if you agree or disagree with this, Rick. What I keep trying to tell people, because Jordan Poole has, is uh, a lot of fans are not happy with him. It's the turnovers. It's a sloppy play. His three-point shooting is not great. I think it's like a 32% right now, um, which is below the Mendoza line you routinely talk about of 33. Uh, but at the same time, when you look at his numbers year after year after year, he is progressing. It's, it's not a linear, straight-up shot uh, you know, type of progress, but he's, but he's scoring over 20 points a game. I think he's averaging 20.8 right now before last night. He, he had a horrible game last night. I think he had three. Um, what are your thoughts on Jordan Poole? Like, I, I think, I think ultimately he's going to be fine. This is, these are the bumps and that, that, you know, the lumps that come with a player like him. He's only 23. He doesn't turn 24 till after the season. But I mean, from your perspective, uh, is Jordan Poole fine? And this is just par for course, or is, is the lapses that is going on? Is that concerning for you? Well, the biggest thing is, as young players, it's the hardest thing, again, to stay focused all the time because when you're not focused, you'll make the kind of mistakes that he's making. And and that's where focus comes. That's where experience comes in, to learn what it is that I need to do and get, again, back to the one word that I use so frequently, which is consistency. Right. As a coach, you want, and as a teammate, you want your player to be consistent. I was told when I first was coming into the pros by my, my college coach, who was my, my father at one time, Bruce Hale, a great college uh, coach, uh, pro player in his own right said, remember in this, in this 80 something game schedule, you're going to probably have 10%. You'll have eight games where things are just not going to work the way you want them to work. <laughs> right. Okay. So you have to be able to be prepared for those games, but in those games, you can't get your head down. Ah, well, I'm just one of those. No, what you do is you stay even more focused. If the shot's not going, go and play better defense, help defense, go and get some more freaking rebounds, go and create some opportunities for your teammates. Be a positive force on the court. Don't be a liability on the court. And that's what yes. you have to do when you have those other games. Right. Because you I, you want a player that's that's doing this. Yes. Because you're going to have your ups and downs. You don't want a player that's here and then he's here. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, yeah. not 25 one night and six the next. And then, you know, 30 the point and then get 12. I mean, 
you know, that's you, know, you can't count on a person like that. You don't know right. what you're going to get. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> and, hey, and let's get so some. Let's get some questions in some of the some of the. Yeah, fans. absolutely. And just and just to finish up Jordan Poole real quick because I think this is worth noting. You know, like like his his second year, 2020, 2021, That was when he went to the G League and came back. Uh, he averaged 12 points a game. Last year, he was up to 18.5. He was shooting uh, 36.4% from three, uh, 44.8% field goal percentage. He had a solid year last year. Uh, this year, in almost the exact same minutes, he's only averaging uh, 30 seconds more per game, but his scoring is up to 20.5 points per game. His three-point percentage, though, is down from 36.4 to 32.4, and his overall field goal percentage is down slightly from 44.8 to 43.5. But he's he's scoring at, at a great clip. I don't know. I, I don't. I I think he's going to be okay. No, I'm not worried about him. Yeah, same. But a lot that's of people least, are. That's the least. That's the least. The least of my worries. Yeah, but a lot of people are very worried about him, and that's why. No, uh, no, 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 no. He was no. being booed I mean, last night at Chase Center. I never, I never saw that before. Like. He was literally booed, and he finished with three points in that Mavericks game. But yeah, the fans are like they've run out of patience with him. They're, 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 it looks like they're using him as a scapegoat Look, every time. This I is what this is why. If you really are a true fan of the Golden State Warriors, you're not going to do that to a player. You support that player. You encourage him. You try to lift him up. A fan should be a fan through the good and the bad. Yes, Great. you might not be happy with what he's doing, but you doing that to him is not helping. It's because you don't know how he's going to react to that. That could make things even worse for the team by getting him so screwed up that he's trying too hard or whatever it may be. You can have a negative impact on a player by doing that to him. So be a supportive Great. fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Jordan Poole is is an asset. I'm not. I'm definitely not giving up on him. Uh, here's some questions. Let's start with Taylor uh, Dubicus. Dubicus. I don't know how you pronounce that, but here is Dubicus. Dubicus. Hey, Rick and Cyrus. Uh, out of curiosity, how do you think Kyrie is going to be as a fit in Dallas? Uh, between Kyrie and Luca, they both are ball dominant. Just curious to see how you think this plays out for the Mavs. Taylor, you hit it right on the head of your last comment there. They're both ball dominant. So I'm saying, how is this going to work? Yep. Seriously, you have a guy who dominates the ball on one team who's going to another team with a guy who dominates the ball on that team. I think the guy, it's going to be interesting to see what he winds up doing. Is What, how, what do they do with Luca? I mean, how is he going to deal with not having the ball to create the stuff that he does? Because... I can see I can see where you could do more with him, maybe, especially if he's got a matchup with some size. You can post him up because he does a lot of that anyway. Yeah. And and he could be fed by Kyrie. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, both of those guys are going to have to find a way to work together. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, uh, what you know what he, what he does over there. I mean, Mike Jason. I mean, I, I don't know what he's going to do with the kid with uh, with with that situation. It's going to be fun to watch though to see. See uh, how it works. <laughs> if indeed it's it's finalized, every all indications are that it's going to go through. It's fun. Yeah, but, it's just a physical, a physical. Well, you know, it's the same stuff. thing. What what'll happen? Like even what's his name made a change in transition? You say, well, what the heck's going to happen when when you get uh, when when you want to trade from the Rockets going over to the 76ers and over in there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, my God, he's and he has made a change, but he has to. One of the two has to make a huge change. I mean. This is interesting. I mean, going to a team that doesn't have a player like that, certainly you can see that. I mean, going to the uh -huh. Lakers, that's what I'm saying. Going to the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers don't have a player like that. 
Correct. That would have made so much more He sense. would fit in pretty well there. I mean, they have LeBron who does that a lot, but he only does it because he doesn't have somebody else who can do it as well as he does. Right. I, I personally think, Rick, this is a disaster. I, I've never seen a team with two high usage guys like this on the same team together make it work. Uh, well, look Kyrie, at the Rockets. Look at the Rockets. What happened when, when Westbrook went there? Yeah, it doesn't work. It, it's crazy. And, and I thought Zach Levine would have been a perfect fit to put alongside Luca because he is not a ball dominant guard. He only cares about scoring and uh, and not necessarily dribbling the ball. Luca, like Luca, needs the ball. I I have no idea how this is going to work. You're right. It's going to be fun as shit to watch. I can't wait to see how like this. I think it's going to be a train wreck. I think Kyrie Irving is a cancer to any team he goes to. I know I'm sounding harsh, but he has he has said and done so many insulting things. Uh, I yeah, I, I think Dallas made a huge mistake. That's my opinion on it. All right. <laughs> uh, good, that was a good observation, though, Taylor. You're right about them ball dominant players. That's a tough one. <laughs> Absolutely. Here's Jack uh, tuning in, and just to let people know again, we you can literally upload a question while we're recording in case people come onto the show late. Uh, here is Jack. Rick, I was hoping you could uh, give us a rundown on your trip to the Amazon and the fishing <laughs> in the Amazon River. Would be interested in uh, how your trip went. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, okay, you know what? I don't know if this this might be the guy, Jack, that was actually fished with me there. Where's this, where this come in? Is this come in from California, this call? <laughs> no, seriously. I never knew. I never met him, but I met Jack. And so I, I stayed in one cabin with him over the water that we, that we stay in and fished together with him. So I'm just wondering if that's actually him. Uh, anyway, the trip was amazing. Um, we got to get back to talking basketball. If you're a fly fisherman, all I'm saying, go to bucketlistflyfishing.com. Get a hold of Rob Anderson. Talk to him. He, you owe it to yourself to put it on your bucket list if you're a fly fisherman. It's an incredible trip. The food is amazing. It's very special. I would highly recommend it to, to give it a shot. I mean, eight people, six and a half days of fishing. We hooked 2,600 peacock bass and tons of them that were 10 pounds and more, all the way up to, like, I think the biggest one was, like, 18 or 19 pounds. Yeah, awesome. the people. And if people follow you on social media... Well, they can go they, on. Check it out. I got some photos up there. Exactly. Uh, Rick24Berry is your handle, Rick, for people who are unfamiliar on all your platforms. I, my, my curiosity is you're in the Amazon. I'm, I'm picturing, like, sweltering humidity, mosquitoes. Are, are those issues? No, there, okay. there, I didn't, we had no, I had no bug issues whatsoever. Wow, it wasn't it wasn't hot and sweltering. It was supposed to be the dry season, but it was raining all the time. Got drenched a couple of days actually. Okay, uh, the water level was higher than when you wanted it because when it gets a little higher, then the, the fish can go back into the trees and stuff and hide and get away from you. And if it was, and I'm just saying, I can't even believe what it would have been like if the water level was down where it was supposed to have been. Oh, the more of the fish would have been that we already crushed them as it was. Yeah, twenty six hundred. <laughs> So twenty six hundred we had, Jesus. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's six days, six, yeah, eight people, six days, twenty six hundred. You divide. I mean, that's just that's crazy number. That's eight. That's like everybody catching like eighty fish a day. Yes, I was thinking it's a lot it's, of fish. No, it is. It's, it's it's insane. And the food, believable. I had I had piranha soup, which was absolutely delicious. Uh, they even had a satellite thing they hooked up and, and used in WhatsApp. I was able to talk to my wife every night in the middle yeah, of the jungle. Yeah, we were messaging. For, I didn't understand how you did that. Wait, wait, wait what is, is piranha soup? Does that compare to anything? What, well, like, it's just take, they take the piranha fish. They use the meat from the piranha fish and, you know, put it into the into piranha soup. 
How do you describe the flavor? Can you? Is it is it comparable? No, it's just good. It's not. No, it's not. Not something. It's more like a grouper or a fish that doesn't okay. have a whole lot of different flavors. It's there. It's nice. But I have another thing, arapami. I think it is whatever it is. Maybe the best fish I've ever eaten in my life. Wow! Just amazing. Just bravo. Incredible. And what's what's the website? One more time. Fly fishing. Fly fish. Fly fi- bucket. You know, fly, a bucket list fly fishing. Bucket list fly fishing dot com. And Rob, you know, Rob's the guy you want to call and talk to. Rob Anderson, who's the guy who puts these trips. There's only five weeks during the year that they go and go to these special places where they have the license to get it. You don't have tons of other people around and fishermen. It's it's very very special. Uh, and we flew in and landed on a grass runway in a village and then boated oh. where we were. On the way out, the oh. plane came and picked us up off the water and took us out. It's cool. <laughs> but here's the thing. There's not a lot of other animals and crazy birds and stuff to see when we're there. I'm serious. It was like, I was, where all, I figured jungle. Oh man, you think about all the stuff there and you see on TV. No, it was just a lot of trees. Yeah. There's birds and stuff around. And, but I mean, there's not a whole bunch of animals around to, to look at. You're basically going after the fish. Incredible. Bravo. Uh, here's Craig. who has a question. Hey, Rick, regarding the Warriors, what do you think the key components are for Coach Kerr to get the Warriors back playing consistent basketball so they can get into the playoffs? Well, Craig, I tell you, I'm sure that he has been begging him to do that all season long and talking to him ad infinitum. I'm sure he's probably sick and tired. Guys, we got to stay focused, man. We got to get back to being a better defensive team. We talked about this, I think, in a previous show. One of the stats where the Warriors are, they're one of the worst teams as far as the number of points given up. As defensively, you no team has won an NBA championship that was a terrible defensive team. Correct. Okay? Correct. If they don't get their defense better, you're not going to win the championship just with your offense. You know, this statement, oh, defense wins championships. You know, no. Defense helps win championships. It doesn't win it because you still have to outscore the freaking opponent. So you need right. some offense also. Okay, <laughs> But without defense, that's the I would say. Without the good defense, you're not going to be a champion. Yeah, the Warriors are 26th out of 30 teams in terms of points given up per game. It's, Thank it's, you. I mean, you can't, you're not going to win an NBA championship if that's your defense. That's what they have to get back to doing, and the wins will come with it. But if they don't improve their defense and they get to the playoffs, it's just a matter of when they're going to get knocked out. Yeah, and they got the second-best offense in terms of scoring, 180. Well, that's but, what I'm saying. This is yeah. this is why. I said you can win. You don't have to be the best. But I don't, I've never seen, especially since we've so statistically oriented now, I have never seen a team that was not in the top 10 win a championship. I don't even know if it's gone out of the top five. That's brutal. That it, what, are, what are your thoughts on Patrick Baldwin Jr., the rookie? His shooting form is beautiful, in my, I, in my opinion. At 6'10", I, I feel like he's an asset. But, you know, Curl will use him one game. I, I feel like five to ten minutes a night he could help. Curl will use him sometimes. We'll see him DNP'd a bunch. Uh, news just dropped. He's going back to Santa Cruz. Have you seen the kid, and what are your thoughts on him? No, I really haven't seen him. had an opportunity to look at him. But, I mean, as I say, for me to, to go ahead and like all the talking heads usually do, I mean, oh, yeah, he needs to do this, and Coach Curry needs to do that, and Coach needs to do this. He ought to fire his ass. I mean, you know, it's, first of all, if you're not there on a daily basis and you see the player and you see his work ethic, you see what he's doing in practice – and you're seeing what the other guys are doing and you do have your your game plan you use your personnel in the best way possible it's pretty hard to be a severe critic of steve kerr yeah 
who's had the success that he's had in doing just that, because one of the keys to the Warriors' success has been that he's had a nice bench that's been able to hold it. You know, you, you got a lead, you can hold the lead, or sometimes behind even to help get back into the game sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so he has done a great job with that, along with Bob and the people that they have brought in. That's one of the reasons they've been successful. That's why the San Antonio Spurs are so successful. They had a coach, right, in Pop working with R.C. Buford, the GM, with a great relationship doing stuff, and they were able to maintain a super high level of, of uh, performance and competition for an extended period of time, just like Jerry West did back down when they had, you know, the Lakers doing yeah. that. That's what it takes. And so right now the Warriors have that combination that's worked exceptionally well for them. They've been the leader in that in this last, you know, the last decade or last 10 years. So – who the hell am I to be sitting around criticizing Steve Kerr about what he's doing? I mean, I, I, he's pretty damn smart. Well, he knows what he wants to get done, and I'm sure he's saying the right things. But the players have to go out there and get the job done. The last well, time I checked, Steve didn't turn the ball over. He didn't miss a shot. He didn't foul somebody with a stupid foul, right? Well, Rick, I, I think it would be appropriate if I said who the hell am I to criticize Steve Kerr. You, I think, have some grounds to, to, to base on in terms of yes, and I and I would I can do it based upon what I might be seeing there, but right. I'm saying what I'm seeing there isn't necessarily indicative of the whole story. <laughs> well but but this I'm glad you brought this up. I think now's a good time to bring bring this topic up, which is that RC Buford and Greg Popovich, I don't remember RC Buford ever being on the last year of his contract. I don't remember ever reading there's a story that came out two weeks ago. I don't know if you read this three credible journalists with the with the athletic using their sources they have within the team wrote a whole story on how Joe Lacob uh, is taking on a much more hands-on approach to personnel decisions. He he supposedly has like this room now where he has this huge draft board and has his own war room for, for, and his son Kirk Lacob is, uh, you know, as a huge role with the team. Uh, You've said before, and I agree with you, and I've asked other people and the sentiments are shared that a, a, a GM like Bob Myers to be on his last year, that's a sketchy scenario. That's not normal. Um, and then now there's reports coming out that basically insinuate what I feel like has been going on all season, which is a, this proxy war between Steve Kerr and what he thinks is best for the team. And I think Bob Myers is more on Kerr's camp. And then Joe Lacob, who drafted these these lottery picks. Well, I guess I'm asking, what are your thoughts on this? This, this seems very unprecedented. I, I don't see a lot of history uh, showing this this level of, of I, but then again, Jerry West left too. So I don't know. I mean, your, your thoughts on this whole proxy war, because it's it's real. It is actually happening. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, it doesn't matter what I think. It's what they think and what they wind up doing. I mean, you know, it's what Joe Lacob thinks. He's the owner of the team. He yeah. can do hell he damn well pleases, as we yeah. know. We've seen Jerry Jones. We've seen other owners and the way that they've conducted themselves in yes. doing it. It seems to me that the ones that have the most success are generally the ones that let the people they hire do their damn job. <laughs> Correct. So that, that's all I would say is that, you know, I mean, and, and, and if you're not happy with what's going on, you have a discussion, boom, you can make a change. But all of a sudden now, you know, to hear if that Joe all of a sudden is going to be the, the new Jerry Jones. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, and if he does that, then I don't see Dallas haven't been real successful for quite a while with that scenario. So 27 years. Yeah. 27 years. It's no been a long time since they've done anything of any great yeah. significance. Uh, so, yeah, that's I hope they work it out. I hope it doesn't get to be a detriment because. They pulled off some miracles. I mean, really have. And without, you know, the injuries and some of the other things that took place, I mean, they could have been so dominant, would have been ridiculous. Um, but it's been a fun ride. Uh, 
I think last I think of all the championships that Steve Kerr did and everything last year was probably the best one. I mean, you know, talking about the talent he had and what was going on and to be able yeah. to take that team and get that team to win the championship. I would have to think that's his most enjoyable accomplishment as a coach, to be honest with you. Yeah, last year was incredible. Absolutely right. Oh. You want to hear from a user called Double Play? They didn't give their real name. It's okay. Uh, Double Play has to say. Hey, Rick. Back when you played, who did you fear the most? Which player did you respect and fear the most? And also, which coach in the league impressed you the most? Mm. Thank you. Mm. Okay. Well, he should have been triple play because he had three questions. Um, <laughs> so, uh, first of all, I never fear anybody. <laughs> what the hell? I'm fearing anybody on the basketball court. They better be afraid of me. Uh, no, that, no that even, that's not even in the equation. Uh, Love respect, it. Love respect. It. I, I respected a player who, when he put his jersey on, he was going to give you everything he had every night that jersey was on him. Uh, like like a Kobe Bryant, who I had great respect for because he was that type of a player. Somebody that's going to give you everything. Giannis is another guy right now, modern guy. That My God, you talk about somebody that gets out there and gets after it to play. Um, so anybody that's doing that, they have my respect. Steph Curry right there at the top. I love watching Steph Curry play. Clay Thompson, same thing. I mean, Draymond. I mean, it, I just have so much respect for guys that do it the correct way with the right attitude. So Agreed. that's that one. And then as far as coaches with impressing stuff, Again, I get back to the same thing I talked just a little bit ago about Steve. I'm not in the locker room. So if you're not in the locker room and you're not in a practice, it's hard to say just how good a coach really truly is. You really don't know for sure. You can watch some things as a broadcaster if I were doing it and I'm watching. I'm going to watch some things. The subs he makes, how does he react to when this guy comes in? There's the coach, the player they came in. Is he changing the tempo, especially back in the days when they had the little guys and they bring the Muggsy Bogues and the Spud webs into the game? See how the reaction is to that. But even now, it's the same way of the matchups. It's a matchup. It's like a little bit of a chess game. I'm going to put move my guy over here and see what happens as well. What does the team do to respond to that? Is he hurting you? Well, if he's hurting us, how do we react to that? So all these little subtleties are taking place during the course of the game. And as you're watching it, like I, I would always have my assistant coaches talking to me all the time. Talk to me. I said, I hear you. I may not pay, I may not say anything to you, but I'm hearing what you're saying. If you see something, I want to make sure I'm seeing what I need to see. And and you take all of that input. You're almost like a computer. And look at it. It all goes down and then try to see what the hell comes out of your brain. And hopefully it's the right thing to do. I mean, <laughs> and it is. I mean, that's just what has to be done. And coaches need to be able to do that. And then sometimes, I mean, when I was broadcasting, I remember talking to said, man, I, I, he needs to call a timeout right now because as a player seeing stuff, man, you got to get this act together and see if he calls a timeout or not. And so things of that nature you can make some comments on. But the overall thing is, is, is that the team playing hard for this coach, getting out there after it all the time, doing good things, and are they getting better? Mm-hmm. Are they getting better? The wins and losses as a general manager or as an owner – Yes, critical fans look at that. That's not the determining element as to what's happening with your team. They may not have the wins that you'd like to see them have, but they may deserve more than that. But they're getting better. Mm-hmm. And you know, somebody makes so that's you have to look at that. Don't get so hung up on the record. If the team's putting forth a great effort and they're making some strides and getting better, 
you can only make chicken salad out of good chicken, you know. And a lot of these guys have been given some bad chickens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so you and, and 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 they're trying to go ahead and begin with not only the chickens, they gave them what's coming out of the rear end of the chicken. And they're saying, yeah. make this into a great meal for me, will you please? Well, that's a freaking impossibility. You got to get the right players. That's what you have to have first. And then you hope you get a coach that doesn't screw it up. You got that right. Nick, uh, uh, a listener, Nick Frensky, I've seen him on Twitter as well, has three questions. So I'm going to do one and then, and then mix it up. So I'll play all three, but let's, let's interdisperse other uh, questions as well. But here's the first one. Here's Nick. Oops. Hey, Cy. What about the Warriors trading Moses Moody for uh, Matisse Thibel? Uh, I think would help him defensively. He's been in the league. He's got more experience than Moody. Philadelphia is looking for an outside shooter to help space the floor. What do you think? Well, I'd love Rick. He should have asked you first. I, I, yeah, show some respect to the Hall of Famer. What are your thoughts, Rick? I'm no, no. See, and that's that's the minutiae of the stuff that not being a broadcaster and doing stuff, I'm not following it that closely to watch some other guy on the Philadelphia team and give a rat's ass about what he's doing. I mean, I'm looking at the overall team, and Philadelphia is playing exceptionally well right now. They're gaining some confidence and. Although it could be a little early, okay? So play this great going into all-star break. Doesn't mean diddly squat, but you better be playing, hopefully, this great when you're going into the playoffs. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you in a nutshell uh, what type of player Matisse Thibel is. Um, Matisse Thibel is not a good offensive player. He's, he's he just That is not the part of his game that you would ever add him for. He's a 6'5 perimeter defender. Again, he only averages 2.7 points per game, but as a, de- a defensive player, he's stout. Well, okay, let's, just, let's I'll cut you off here and not waste any more good. time. Don't make the deal. Okay, okay? Deal. you can't give up a guy with the potential of Moody who can shoot the three and do shit. You're not going to win with a guy who's a great individual defender who can score two points a game for you, okay? Love it. End Love of story. It. You answered it right there. Okay, let's go to uh, ASD Films uh, with a question here. So now that Curry's hurt, and we know he's hurt for a little while, what do you think our chances are of just playing with this team and this is our team still for – this season, even next season, or are we going to look into, you know, almost turning into a re, uh, rebuilding team because, you know, we're losing Curry, we're losing Thompson to injuries too much, and we realize that this team is getting older, even though I'd love to watch them for the next few years, but what are the chances that this team stays together any more longer than this season? Thank you. Okay, a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you're right. We talked a little bit about it. We have The other guys have to step up and try to get the job done. Uh, I don't necessarily think they're going into a rebuilding mode. I think they could still be very competitive. With the, I mean, you know, they injuries. These are not major injuries, career-ending, career-threatening injuries. These are just the little nagging things that happen during the course of an NBA season. Right. Uh, the biggest thing to me for this team has been the, two of the three guys that we were hoping were going to be able to get the time and step up and become much better players is Moody and uh, Moody and God, I can't even come up with like a name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's. I mean, my God, it's like I, I talk about him all the time. I try to block him out of my mind because it's like, <laughs> I think he's ready to play. He's not going to play. I mean, oh my God, he. We need him to step up. Uh, do something then he gets hurt then i don't know what the deal is what's the latest on him what did you hear from someone i don't even know well, what the status is with him anymore james I mean, wiseman is healthy. james right? wiseman is like he's like such an enigma right now yeah, well the enigma is is and this is it's more along the lines of how kerr and myers are feeling because bob myers did an interview uh, a few days ago where he did not exactly give the most ringing of endorsements to james wiseman he alluded to the fact that 
Uh, every time his 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 time was was there for him to play, he was dealing with injuries. Um, it, it was not ringing words of encouragement, Rick, uh, in, in terms of Bob Myers, the way he was describing Wiseman. And then Kerr, a week earlier in an interview, talked about Wiseman and did like a Freudian slip that sounded like he wasn't going to be with the team much longer. Um, so, I, I look, it, it's a mystery. It is a huge mystery. They've said Jermichael Green, <clears throat> his good play is, is the reason why Wiseman's not getting minutes. Um, but he's healthy. It's a mystery. I, I'm with you. I wish he was getting minutes myself. Uh, and the fact that him and, and uh, Moses Moody are getting these DNPs and they're racking these up makes me wonder if maybe they're on the trading block and that's and they're saving them. Because if either of these guys suffer a serious injury, all their value is gone. At least right now they have value in terms of trade. Um, uh, but it's a mystery, Rick. I think we're all well, perplexed. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of days before the trade deadline. Agreed. Takes place. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. So, Agreed. I mean, everybody's talking about the Kyrie Irving thing, but there's a whole lot of other things out there that little subtle things that could make a big difference for some team going into the playoffs. I know we did that in our championship year. We picked up a veteran. We picked up Bill Bridges specifically oh. to go and play defense against Bob Love and the Bulls. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it was for, you know, for that series. That's what it was. And, uh, and so those are the kind of things. I mean, I know Clifford Ray told me, you know, he wound up getting P.J. Brown for the Boston Celtics when they got that championship, when they finally did one with uh, with Kevin with Kevin Garnett. I mean, right, so, right. yeah, and, and that one of the big, why? Another a veteran guy that somebody knew and you can count on came in, did a terrific job for him. I mean, and then other guys stepped up, their rookies stepped up, and, you know, Clifford helped get some of the other guys to play much better basketball and you know, Big Baby and some of these other guys and Kendrick Perkins while he was there. So that's what it's about. And I'm not seeing on a consistent thing. It's like everybody's like up and down, up and down, way up and down. And it's like, who's going to come in and start to be consistent? I'd love to see, you know, Jamichael maybe all of a sudden after this last game to maybe play at this level on a consistent basis. I mean, my God, that would be such a huge factor for the Warriors to have that because he was instrumental on both ends of the court. He did a great job, absolutely Agreed. wonderful job. And uh, and so I'm saying, well, where has he been? Well, he was hurt a lot, and then he was sick. And, uh, and so now maybe maybe this is going to be the breakthrough game for him. I certainly hope that's going to be the case. So it's going to be fun to see how the players respond because a lot of guys right now are getting that opportunity to show what they can do when they wouldn't have had it if everybody was healthy and the status quo was there. And this is why players, and I talk to all these guys, listen, you still, you have to be ready. You never know when they're going to call your number. Be ready. Right. Uh, speaking of James Wiseman, uh, uh, Nick Frensky has another question, and I think this time he addresses Hugh. Uh, so, and this is about Wiseman. Here's Nick. Hey, Rick. What would you do with James Wiseman as a center if you were the coach? What strengths would you play to and what would you have him uh, work on? Oh, well, I, I, he's athletic as hell, okay? I would want him to be a rim protector for me on defense, to be able to be there to help him do that. Kick it out and run your tail off and use your athleticism. Go get some easy baskets in transition. Use your athleticism to go and, you know, get me a basket or two every game off the offensive glass. And then have someone work with him on a nice little low post game, a little jump hook, a little something of that nature. And then hopefully he looks like he has pretty nice form where he shoots his free throws. And then you know, let him go to the free throw line, let him go, and then be able to do that and post somebody else up down inside. And he can shoot the shot if somebody doesn't guard him close. That's the kind of way I, I can see him being utilized. Um 
because he is an amazing athlete. I mean, mm-hmm. he really truly is. Uh, mm-hmm. God, he runs like a deer. He's got pretty good footwork. Um, but I, I don't know his feel for the game. Haven't got a chance to watch him enough to just see if he's got that that little intangible, you know. But he, he, they say he's got a good attitude, that he's working hard, and it's just been one of those silly things that he's been absolutely cursed with freaking little injury stuff that's really hampered his development. Yeah, the injuries have been brutal. Um, but, yeah, he's healthy right now. I, don't under- I do not understand what's going on. Uh, in 12 minutes, he, he's averaging 12.9 minutes per game this year, uh, putting up seven points, uh, 3.6 rebounds. His rookie year, you know, he, he didn't have these issues with his hands. Uh, you know, Kerr was giving him minutes. His rookie year, he was he, 21 minutes of play. He scored 11.5 points, uh, grabbed just shy of six rebounds. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think if he plays, he can do great things. But, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Well, those uh, numbers you got for that number of minutes are pretty damn good. The number of minutes he's played, you mean this year? So the or number is... of minutes he's played to put up the stats, to have the stats he has, are pretty damn good. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'm so totally just take agreed. just take that and say, guy plays, you play thirty, or triple every one of those. Yep, exactly. Or yeah, exa- I'm with you. Yeah, I don't, don't just I don't triple the point, triple the points, triple the rebounds. I mean, so that's a double double. I mean, that's you know, that's twenty points and ten rebounds. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And here's one more question from Nick. I think he was following up on uh, what you were saying earlier in the show um, about focus. That's exactly what Draymond was saying last night is focus. They lack focus and are getting away from doing the things that get got them the lead. Yeah, I heard Draymond say that too. So um, Yeah, well thanks for bringing it up. So obviously maybe, you know, I guess I guess either he knows what he's talking about or I know what I'm talking about. Or both. Or maybe or we both do. Yeah, or both. <laughs> <laughs> I think in this case in this case we both do, trust me. It is it is Focus is such a critical thing and is so probably the most difficult thing players have to learn how to do on a consistent basis and not allow outside things that's going on in your life, whatever, to impact your focus on that particular game, that particular night where your focus should be totally on that. Everything else goes on the back burner. And here's one last question, uh, unless yeah, I believe this is it. This is from Greg uh, talking about end of season routines for players. Hi guys, what are some of the things the players in the NBA do late in the season to keep their bodies fresh? It's mm. quite a grind, and I'm sure there's some tricks to the trade. Well, nowadays they have so much going for them. These teams have masseuses on staff for them. They can get body rubs. They can get all kinds of other treatments. They got hot tubs, cold tubs. We had nothing. So what are you asking me? What the hell do I know? I, I had to figure out what I had to do on my own. I, I had nothing. We didn't well, what did your kid, we, or Rick, what did your kids do? <laughs> what do well, they do? Well, when Brenton's at the San Antonio Spurs, he just goes and puts his thumbprint and hunt and goes into the, the, the miracle world of the San Antonio Spurs clubhouse <laughs> where they have a practice facility and everything else in the world you conceivably want, food, whatever it may be. I mean, seriously, it's it's such a difference. So I don't have I would I'm the last person you would ask to find. I have no idea what they could do at the end. I wanted to play. I played 47 minutes a game one time when I was in the ABA. I and and I I loved it. I didn't want to be on the freaking bench. I I play basketball. I want 40, to play. You averaged 47 minutes a game one year. I think one season I averaged 47. I think it was or 46, something like that. I, I wow. played most of the time, but I, you know, a lot of a bunch of times, I think I was over 40 in some seasons and all, but you know, now it's like 36 is about max for most guys. 
Yeah. And I understand they're so worried about getting beat up and wanting to be healthy for the playoffs and all because there's so much money involved. Back then, they weren't worried about the $12,500 they offered me to play. It was no big deal. Right. Now, it was $12,500,000, right, or $125 million or something. Yeah, and they're going to stand up and take a little bit of notice. <laughs> oh, man. Well, is there anything else? Did we cover all the bases? I think we did. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, no, I, I just, you know, we're back in the same mode. We're praying that the Warriors can, you know, like they say, hold fort and stuff until Steph gets back and have some of these other guys step up and start playing well and make a total commitment to freaking defense for at least 40 of the 48 minutes. I never even asked my team to give me 48 minutes. Like, guys, I'm only asking for 40. Man, <laughs> I know the other team's not going to come close to that. So let's get 40, man. And it's amazing the correlation between the time we played focused and our result of the game, I mean, the more minutes we stayed focused in a game, and I have people charting and telling them what we're looking for, and I look at it afterwards, the greater the margin of victory when we won. There you go. There because you go. why? Because all the little stuff, you're there for the loose ball. You're screening off the boards, right? You're not making the foolish mistakes. You know, the good weak side help on defense, not letting them get to from 30 feet drive and get a freaking layup. I mean, we're, what the hell? That's the biggest horseshit defense in the world. I mean, I mean, I watch some of these games and I see a guy go from, has the ball, comes down, drives in and lays the ball in. I'm going, what? What are they doing? I mean, Oh my God. I mean, it's hard. It's very hard for me to watch games a lot of times. I'm sorry. Yeah. And having to listen to what's being said, especially with, I mean, oh my gosh. And I love Steph and everything, but Steph carries the ball. Every, just even when he's dribbling and standing there. And so does, and so does so many of the other ones. I watched Chris yeah. all the other, they all carry the ball. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, and I know Steph works in all the drills and he's incredible with all the stuff that he does, but they, they get, they get away with stuff that that's a carry according to the rule book. What they're doing is a carry. It's like and, every time they, they dribble, they, 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 they yeah, thank you. It's, it's, it's come on. It's like, yeah. anyway, it's, it's uh, it is what it is. And <laughs> I, I just have a hard time watching it when they don't make the calls And I, I just love it when I see them sometimes making this moving screen call, which basically is, that's the whole thing is that, a screen is a stationary object. He's not moving. It's not a movable screen. And uh, I'd like to see him call that more often. And But that's the big thing is talk about the offensive player. Be smart enough to set your man up to run him into the guy that's willing to make become a screener. you got a teammate <laughs> willing to put his body on the line for you. I tell you what, I'm running my guy into him. And if he doesn't get run into him, he's going to be trailing me, so I'm going to own him anyway. <laughs> Rick, you're in Florida right now. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, down what? in Florida. And uh, – Get ready to head down. I'm actually going down and doing something for my alma mater to watch the University of Miami uh, playing Duke tomorrow down at my at the university at the U. So, I'm and you're being, you're being like recognized. I'm going to fly down there. I think yeah, they're going to I say hello, or whatever. Anyway, I'm flying down to do something there for the team, and hopefully, hopefully they'll find a way to win because you know this Duke team has been kind of an enigma a little bit. They had a big win, I guess, against Carolina yesterday or whatever, and uh, but. They're not, they've never been ranked. You know, Miami was ranked in the top 20. I know they may be out of there now because they got knocked off the other day, but should be, should be a decent game. And I'm, I'm obviously hoping that, uh, that my, my team wins. I hope so too. And I'm really glad that they're, they're recognizing you and, uh, higher education institutions should do that more often. There's a crisis with college enrollment. So, well, they're, they're on a I think they're doing this mainly because of the fact that they let somebody wear my jersey this year. Oh. Oh, yeah. that's the deal. Yeah. 
That's the trade-off. Well, they, they, no, that wasn't the reason they had me come down there. But they, my teammate called me on the phone. What, what the bloody blank is going on? When I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Somebody's wearing your jersey in Miami." I said, "What? What's the what's the re- is this kid the kid who has the number? Is that like that important to him? What's the?" I don't, get it. I, I don't I don't know the whole real true story as to whether he wanted to come there because he transferred him somewhere and he wanted 24. But the thing is, is that it's a retired jersey has been for a number of years. I would right. think that they would never even make up a jersey with number 24 to <laughs> have available. <laughs> and uh, and so somebody really, you know, missed the boat on that one. And so they called me up. Oh, well, we have to do that. And sorry about it. And I mean. So I said, I'm not going to go say, well, tell him to get the few uniform off and do it. And here's the funny thing. We have, we're in the Guinness Book of Records again, the Barry family, but also with my wife, Lynn and Canyon and all America stuff. But the thing is, we're in there again because who the only husband and wife to have their jerseys retired at their alma maters and have a player wear it during one of the seasons or attempted to did it at William and Mary with my wife, Lynn, too. Was the story there? What? Well, why? They just know. they bl- they blew it. Somebody screwed up. They so didn't realize. They, screw ups. Okay. They came so, out had the and they saw her, the court had the jersey on. They said, "What the heck?" And they ran down there. One of her teammates ran down, got the athletic director, did stuff. They got the jersey off the ground at the end of the game. Gave her all the jerseys with twenty two on it and apologized profusely. In my case, you know, it wasn't even they didn't they just hadn't freaking thought about it until. My teammate made us think about it, and so then they called me, and I said, "Well, hey, listen." He said, "Well, we could do it. We'll we'll put a patch on you with your name and the number on this jersey and doing stuff and all." Because I, I said, "Look, here's the deal." I said, "No, you took all your pictures. You had the thing with 24. He's in this thing." He said, "Look, let's just do this. Fine with the patch. Let him do it for this season, and then that's it." That player better be kissing your ass when you're there for wearing so, your number. <laughs> You know, I mean, I mean, the only way I would have let that go, if my son had gone there, I would have let my son wear it. Right, right. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, what's the point of retiring a number? I mean, well, here's it, the first. The thing is, but I'm saying that I would have. I really don't have any say over it. It's the university's decision to retire right. the jersey, not mine. So if the university wanted to give him my number, and that's the way they have figured they can only get him to come to school and do that, then maybe that's what happened. I don't know the true story about it and all. It's irrelevant. But the thing <laughs> is, is that it's not my choice. It's their choice as yeah. to whether they want to let somebody or let him continue to wear that jersey. I would hope that they wouldn't do that because I think it goes against everything that having a jersey retired stands for. Yeah, what's the point? What's the point if you're not going to actually do it? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, at least you got a story out of it, and and, and you'll probably get more information when you go there in terms of the why. Uh, well, let's just keep our prayers going for the Warriors to get healthy, have these other players step up and rise to the occasion to use whatever cliche you want to be able to keep the team <laughs> keep them in the hunt while Steph's getting better we'll we'll see it'll be yeah, fun. the trading deadline is uh I believe this Thursday, Thursday I think yeah February 9th and uh and then we'll find out if the word they've only done one trade mid-season during this whole era and that was for Andrew Wiggins and that was a lost season so um they don't normally do it but there's a need so we'll see what happens yeah great doing That's this right. Greg. always a pleasure sir take care bye everybody Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.